Welcome to Travel Stories by Witty Travels. Hello to everyone listening on Spotify, Apple, or on YouTube. We are your hosts. I'm Will. And I'm Kati. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the first three cities that we visited in Albania. Tirana, Durez, and Skodra. In Tirana, we took the longest cableway in the Balkans to the top of the Daiti Mountain. In Durez, we walked all around a Roman amphitheater. In Skodra, we explored Rozafa Castle. But first, we talk about the stop that we had after almost 17 hours of traveling, which included a layover in Germany, which we talked about in full detail in our last podcast. So after all of that traveling, we've arrived at our first stop, which is Tirana, Albania. And in this podcast, and in this specific section of the podcast, we're going to talk about the Grand Park of Tirana and its huge artificial lake. We're going to talk about Skanderbeg Square. Where we, and we're going to talk about taking tr- public transportation and, of course, the longest cableway in the Balkans, uh, the Daiti Express, which takes you to the, from the outskirts of Tirana all the way up to the top of a mountain. And also, of course, eating some traditional Albanian food. Uh, but first, we want to talk about just like walking around. Now, we're from South Florida and, um, you know, there's like crosswalks and right away and you'll see people... Uh, you know, go out and they'll, they'll cross the road and uh, they'll be like, oh, it's okay if a car hits me or whatever. But um, in Tirana, there's like no rules. There are some things that they have up, such as um, some crosswalks have, you know, the red man who illuminates and the green man and the, the countdown to tell you how long you're supposed to have to, to cross the street. But uh, no one really seems to follow it. So like, how did you feel about walking around on the, the streets of Tirana? Yeah, it was literally a free-for-all, and it felt like, you know, like game, uh, that old game where you're trying to get the chicken to cross the road, and you're trying to, like, go between the cars, or maybe it was the frog, I I think I think there's frog. The frog, I I don't remember. Yeah, something like that, but... (laughs) There might maybe, have been a different version. Maybe I'm thinking, why did the chicken cross the road right. and, and the frogger game all together? But yeah. that's how it felt. And I kind of just let the other Albanians take the lead. Like, if we're waiting at a crosswalk and I wasn't sure whether to go, if I saw some other, other people going, I'm like, okay, let's go. And probably not the best, but I think there were a couple times where I kind of stopped, not in the middle of the road, but like kind of passed uh, a little bit into it because it looked like a car was not going to stop. So yeah, you definitely have to be aware. And if you're going to go, just go. Like, don't do not do like me and stop in the middle of the road. Yeah, so one <laughs> of the reasons that deer get hit all the time is because they'll start crossing and then they'll freeze right in the middle of the road. <laughs> That's, cargo. I, yes. That's basically how Katsu was yeah, once you start, you got to keep going. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like being a running back in football where you have to look for the hole that's open. You have to follow your linemen uh, because, yeah, you kind of got to sacrifice the Albanians. <laughs> Luckily, we didn't see any uh, vehicular rundowns, so that was, yeah. was good. But, yeah, walking is absolutely uh, a challenge in Tirana, but that's not the only challenge. And I did a lot of research on this part, and that's what upsets me. Uh, we wanted to go to the Daiti Express, which is the longest cableway in the Balkans that takes you to the top of Daiti Mountain. Mm -hmm. Um, so first of all, it has a very limited time schedule. The the sunset, I think, is usually around five o'clock, and that is also the time of the last cable car. So if you're going to go 
to the Dykti Express, make sure you get out there at like 9 a.m. so you have the full time. Uh, we didn't leave until a little bit later, and by the time we made um, it actually there, I think it was like what, like 1.30 or something like that. So we yeah. didn't have as much time as maybe we would have liked to to see other things. Um, but yeah, so you want to take a blue bus. And I did the research, and I knew this. Uh, it's called the porcelain. But when you're actually there in real life, not just watching a YouTube video or reading a vlog, it's a lot more difficult. Mm -hmm. Because we we went to the bus stop, and we don't know how this works. Like we don't even take buses that much in uh, you know back home in Florida, you know, because there's just not that great of a bus system. So when we get there, we saw like a bus sign. Okay, great. But now, like in retrospect, it was really a bus sign for like a longer bus, which we saw. And they're like, well, maybe this is not it. So we crossed the street and we saw another bus stop with a bunch of people hanging out. And there was just a lot of different buses, right? It wasn't just like, here's the city bus. It was like, there was a, a pure white bus. There was a white bus with like a green stripe and a blue stripe. And we didn't go to Skanderbeg Square the first time that we got, as soon as we got there. It would have, we probably would have seen bus after bus that was a proper bus to yeah, take you there. Yeah, like when, later on, um, we went to Skanderbeg Square and we saw like an actual bus loop. Um, and I think the, the stuff that you were reading online said like, oh, go to the bus loop near the watchtower. But we weren't staying near there. And that was like 20 minutes in a different direction. So we just decided, okay, let's go to the main street by where we're staying and just find a bus stop. Anyway, it says it had 17 stops. So I'm like, at yeah. some point it's going to come. But we were there right. for like 20 minutes and it was already kind of late in the day. So we finally just said, all right, well, we're going to take the next uh, bus that comes by and like see how far it takes us. And while we're standing there for like 20 minutes, we didn't see like one pure blue bus, mm -hmm. uh, but we saw the turquoise one. I'm like, all right, I know it's blue, but maybe they meant like turquoise. But later on, we saw it time after time, total frequency illusion of once you physically see something or thinking about it, you see it all the time. Mm -hmm. But at the time, at the moment, we didn't see it at all. Um... And when you get on and it's like Unaza or Unaxa, which just means like circle around. So I was like, all right, well, we got onto a bus. It was a shade of blue. It had the route that it basically said it was going to have. I didn't see porcelain, but I didn't know it was going to be in LED lights. Complete mess. Um, even, that was like the most loss I've ever been after doing, uh, even doing proper research. But yeah, just it, when you go, just go to the square look for it's literally blue i don't know sky blue royal blue yeah. it's blue it's not turquoise uh on the front the led lights will say um uh, porcelain um and, and you'll be fine but so we got on a bus got on a bus and yeah i'm just grateful for google maps because we kind of just left the google maps open because I mean, we took the turquoise bus, still not knowing if it was the actual bus. So we're like, okay, let's just watch, um, you know, the Google Maps and see where it's taking us. Um, but while we're sitting there, sitting, I mean, standing, because this bus was completely packed, uh, this guy is kind of trying to maneuver between us. And we thought he was just trying to get to the front of the bus. And he actually was coming around and collecting the fee for the, for the bus. And so... We weren't sure what was happening and then we saw he had like money and bus tickets in his hand so we gave him the 80 lek uh for the both of us um and we knew it was going to be 80 lek and that was just weird because typically you know the buses that we've taken before you go to a proper bus station um like we did in mexico and you pay ahead of time and that also assures you that you know you're getting on the right bus um and you get a ticket ahead of time but this is completely backwards you get on the bus and that's when you pay 
Um, I'm sure, you know, there's various kinds of transportations that we're going to come across and we're just experiencing all kinds of them. So. And it's different. It was unusual for us because at that point we had spent some, a couple of days uh, and we talked to a bunch of different uh, people from Tirana and everyone was like super nice and super friendly. This guy was like, not like a jerk or whatever, but like he was very like straightforward and like he mm-hmm. didn't have like the nice personality that everyone else did. So I didn't figure he was like in customer service or mm-hmm. anything like that. But yeah, I mean, yeah, and then we get the tickets and they look similar to the tickets. They're blue uh, as all the pictures I saw online and it had the Unoxa or however you say it right on. I'm like, so, okay, I guess we're good. But um, we weren't. But it, t- it took us in the right direction. Like Hati said, we have the uh, the Google Maps up so we can see if we're going in the right direction. So we get to a literal fork in the road. Um, and at that fork in the road, the bus comes to a complete stop. Yeah, the it just stopped. And we see the bus driver get off. And we see the guy that came to collect the tickets get off. And I'm thinking... Maybe this is just the end of the, the, the road and it's a quick little break. No, they just went out for a little cigarette smoke break. Um, so everybody's just sitting there waiting on the bus. And I think maybe like five minutes later, this old guy finally gets up and starts like yelling out at the bus driver, like, come on, let's go. Like, we're not just sitting around here waiting for you to take your smoke break. So finally, um, they got back on. They didn't come back on as soon as this guy started complaining, but eventually they did. And then the bus turned left and the Daiti Express was to the right. So we immediately got off the next bus stop um, and then kind of made our trek back up towards the Daiti Express. Yeah, a lot of Monday morning quarterback for me uh, on this because once again, in hindsight, like, so we're stopped here and there's two options. Either it turns left uh, or it turns right. And there's very clearly a right turn lane. So what while we're stopped there, I should have been like, all right, well, we have to go this way. It's clearly not going to go from the left turn lane. Well, it could, but probably not. From the left turn lane to the right turn lane to go to the area of Dicti Express. So we wasted more time doing that. Uh, I also didn't think that a bus driver was going to stop in the middle of his route uh, and take a smoke break. But um, nothing, you know, tons of surprises here in uh, in Tirana for, for this experience. Yeah, so he got in, he, got, uh, he went left, and we got out. Um, and we kind of backtracked a little bit, just one stop. So it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, but yeah, when you're going, make sure it says porcelain on the LED sign, make sure it's a a definite blue bus Mm -hmm. because, well, I mean, everything we're watching is like, all right, you get off. Okay, cool. And then it's like, oh, it's a 15 to 20 minute walk, but it does, people just magically on YouTube go from I'm on the bus to I'm right outside of this thing. And it's like, even if you were to get dropped at at the proper place, Maybe. When we go back, we'll have to see if you get dropped off right where there's a bunch of signs, like the street mm-hmm. signs to go, but maybe. But for us, we had to get dropped off, uh, continue walking up the mountain. We probably, it's like probably twice the amount of time, probably mm-hmm. like 30, 40 minutes instead of just like 15, 20 minutes. But eventually we got to a point where we saw, uh, I don't even know what the name of it was, but it had like a cable car on it, uh, on the brown sign. And we went that way, and then we saw another sign that had a cable car on it, and we went that way again, mm-hmm. uh, and eventually got to uh, the front. Yeah, after a lot of walking. A lot of walking, <laughs> that's okay. Um, but what is the Daiti Express? So this is the top tourist attraction in Tirana. Um, so, like I said, it's a cable way, and it's the longest cable way in the Balkans, 
And I might be like, all right, well, technically or whatever, but no, it is extremely long. Uh, so you take off and it just like shoots you out into the, the cave away. And you have to go through all these different sections where there's like the pole. And um, as you go through it, and if you've ever been on Skyride, you, you are familiar with this, but usually there's like one in the middle of it. Here, since it's so long and it goes level by level, uh, you go through several of these. And every time, like the, com the complete car like shakes and stuff like that. And you're in this car for like 15 minutes. So yeah. if you were claustrophobic or if you're afraid of heights, this is not for you. Um, but maybe you can make it work if you say, hey, I don't want to climb a mountain <laughs> or specifically climb down a mountain, especially at night. Uh, you kind of just got to make do. Maybe close yeah. your eyes. Like, how did you feel on this actual car? Yeah, it definitely, uh, every time the cable car kind of shook, uh, it made me a little nervous. It's just, I mean, you're like, how, like, how sturdy is this? You know, you just don't know. Um, but clearly a bunch of people go up and down a bit up and down the mountain on this and I tried not to think about it too much um and then like looking down at the views of the mountain and the city and the people and the houses and the farm animals and the lakes it was all worth it that looked absolutely amazing um and I think you just we just talked and tried to keep uh, me distracted so I wouldn't think about it too much um but once we got up there the view from the mountain was absolutely spectacular so it was definitely worth that 15 minute kind of trail up that in that in that cable car <laughs> yeah and the entrance fee um was about 800 lek right so 1600 lek a person which is not a, a terrible amount of money i don't know the exact conversion Wait, but 800 like a person 16 for the both of us 16 yeah. for the both of us mm -hmm. so like 16 dollars for both of us which you know from america you know most tourist attractions you know someone calls it like the disneyland of tirana mm -hmm. um you know disney get in is like what 140 dollars for a day or something crazy like that um, so it's not a lot, it's just in comparison. So that kind of threw off our budget a little bit because we had the 1600 lek for that. And then uh, I think it was like 2000 lek for, for the taxi to get into town. So those are like back-to-back -back items that were a little bit higher. Uh, since then, we've you know made some adjustments, spent a lot less in, in some days to kind of even things out. But definitely one of the more expensive uh, attractions. And you know it is the number one tourist thing. So for Americans, $8 a person uh, for this cableway ride is, is not that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. But once you get to the top, besides the, the gorgeous view, there's also an adventure park. On the adventure park, uh, we read there's like zip lining. Uh, we saw that there's horseback riding, there's like a playground, and then there's two uh, mini golf courses. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's also um, like a heart, big heart sign, which we have mm -hmm. a nice picture of on our Instagram. Uh, so you can take a picture in front of that as well. And then there's two uh, bigger buildings if you want to stay a while. There's um, the Belvedere Hotel, um, which I guess you can spend the night in. And there's also like a conference center there if you want to have a very nice meeting at the top of the mountain. Uh, or there is a, um, a restaurant as well. So, you know, it's a tourist attraction. So I didn't want to, uh, we want to spend too much uh, additional money. So we just went with the bruschetta. Uh, but that was a, a really nice dish. And we had... Um, some water as well. So did you yeah. like the food up there? Yeah, we just definitely wanted to be able to sit at that restaurant and just kind of take in the views, especially because it's cold. Um, so we're like, let's kind of get indoors. Um, but the bruschetta was delicious. Uh, I think it was about 240 lek, um, and the water was about 200 lek for the bottle. So that's kind of crazy, right? Water is almost as expensive as that food. But anyways, um, it, was, it was delicious. It was on a nice toasted bread, and it wasn't like bruschetta, like, 
uh, like Italian, it actually had pieces of cucumber. So um, it felt very refreshing and it was absolutely delicious. And uh, yeah, it was great. Yeah, because we wanted to just go up there for like a cup of coffee and to see the view. But they're like, well, you, have, you should go up to the bar. If you want to sit at the restaurant, you need to order some food. So that's why we just got yeah. uh, the, the bruschetta um, and, and the water. But yeah, try not to drink out too much. And not even just like, you know, beers or anything like that. But, you know, even like water or anything like that. Because <laughs> like our very first meal, we'll talk more about food later. But the we had like a sandwich. Uh, essentially or like a wrap and it was like 240 like and the we had a, a little can of pepsi because it's like imported and all that stuff it was like 200 like right yeah so your drinks could be as much as your food especially if it's like an american product so be yeah. on the lookout for that yeah that's good call good call <laughs> yeah but a, a great view um we had to make sure that we made it down to the bottom in time so we didn't waste uh we didn't fool around too much i think we head back like four um probably right after four to make sure we had plenty of time. And I think it's a 15, 20 minute uh, ride and your 800, 800 leg per person fee will cover your ride up and then hold on to your ticket because they're gonna look for that to go back down again. Now, I don't know if people are just hiking up the mountain and then taking the cable yeah. express down. I don't know why you need a ticket, but <laughs> that's, you know, they're like, hold on to your ticket, make sure. So we didn't want to play any games or uh, run into any sort of situation. So we made sure we were on our way back down well before five and that we didn't lose our ticket so that we didn't have any issues taking the cable car back down um, to ground level. So one of the benefits of actually taking the wrong bus was um, we got dropped off at a corner and noticed that there was a Friends Cafe. Yes. Um, it literally looked like the Friends logo from the from the show. And uh, earlier on in the week, we had seen somebody wear a friend's hoodie and we're like, oh, maybe they love friends here too. And so maybe that's where she got that hoodie from. So we popped into that cafe um, to see if like, okay, is this kind of, does it look like the show? I mean, we love the show and so we wanted to check it out. Um, it doesn't really look the, like the show at all. There's nothing specific about it other than like their signs and their sugar packet said friends on it with the logo. Um, but it was it was actually delicious coffee. Um, we had some aroma lattes, which just meant like flavored lattes and they smelled great and they tasted great. Um, and it was a huge cafe. And I mean, just the one of the cool things about Albania is that there are more coffee shops per capita here in Albania. And it's not just a, a ploy to get you to come to Albania. They don't even, um, have local coffee here most of it is italian coffee but it's part of the culture here they have a coffee shop or a lounge or sometimes they're combined as both literally on every corner of the street and people just kind of come and hang out at these coffee shops um we've we've popped into a lot of them there's kind of a chain called moncherie so i'm like i'm thinking maybe that's the starbucks of, of tirana or yeah, something sure. um but they're packed every day like any time of the day and i think people just come and hang out with their friends they smoke a cigar or not cigar but they smoke maybe a cigar yeah. who knows uh smoke a cigarette and uh i think that's just how they they spend time with with one another we we met some friends in tirana and they were saying like most of the times they're like, hey, let's go talk about this book over here. Hey, let's go talk about this show over here. You know, that's just what they do. Um, and so, yeah, it's either a bar, not a bar, but like a lounge or a coffee shop. Some of, some of it is just a standalone lounge um, and some of it is just a standalone coffee shop, but some of them are combined. And so 
we popped into a few of those throughout the week. Um, we ended up going to another one, a, a lounge one evening to, to try the traditional Rocky drink. Tell them about that. Cause yeah. I think you liked him better than I did. <laughs> First of all, it's ridiculously strong. So it's a drink from Turkey. So probably around, you know, the, when the Ottoman empire took over Albania, uh, for Albania, they, they went through so much like for real. Um, but you know, the, one of the silver linings is kind of, kind of, getting some of those cultures from like from Rome, from Turkey. So the thing from Turkey would be the Rakia Rakia. Mm -hmm. uh, in the northern parts of Albania, you can even see them like make it, um, you know, from scratch there. Uh, actually, the Airbnb rat, they made us some homemade Rakia too. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's kind of like their thing. Most of the time it's made with grapes, but, it's also, but it also could be made with plums and some uh, other fruits as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's super strong. It's not one of those things that you can take a, a shot of, mm -hmm. you know, so to think about like drinking like a, a cognac or like a scotch where mm -hmm. you just sip it and enjoy it, which is really complimentary to the culture of just hanging out with your friends mm -hmm. or, or talking business, whether it's, you know, in the morning or the afternoon over mm -hmm. a, a coffee in the cafe or at night, uh, in the lounge and with, you know, the coffees, there's like maybe one or two chains. Uh, with the lounges, we didn't really see any like real big change besides maybe like there's this glow lounge, which is like completely pitch black, but it has some black light in it. Yeah. There's like two or three of those maybe, but everything else is like a one-off, right? So every lounge has its own vibe uh, and its own unique oh, look. Oh, they looked so cool. I'm telling you, like people, you know, in America would call it trendy, but literally like vines kind of growing off the the... Um, the walls and cool lamps and these lounges and cafes are pretty much all made out of glass so there's natural light coming through and a lot of these they were walls but they were really windows actually you could like slide them up and um not now because it's cold but you know adjust the the lounge or the coffee shop to the season and during the summer i'm sure they have these open and it's just uh it looked really cool and uh they were just really fun and and part of it is i one of the things that we noticed is that they don't we didn't see a lot of restaurants and at these lounges like you get some kind of like little bites to eat and little appetizers or a pizza um but they didn't have like full menus many of them um and and another thing was the coffee is so cheap like you know we're used to spending like maybe five bucks six bucks at a starbucks right so a latte here a latte macchiato what they call would be like 250 back in like so 250 lek would which would be about two dollars and fifty cents um and that's like so cheap or like a rep most of the times what they drink is an espresso and so that's about 100 lek um so yeah super cheap um and just a, I, I loved seeing all of these everywhere especially for me being such a little social butterfly i loved it yeah so the problem is not even like starbucks you know having expensive coffee now it's like Oh, well, all these local coffee shops, but like mm. you're paying for the experience. Yeah. Like, so all the coffee is like expensive unless you go to like a convenience store mm. or something like that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's nice. If you just want a basic cup of coffee, it's probably like 50 cents um, or, or yeah, the lattes are, are a little bit more, but it's still all very mm -hmm. um, affordable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you do want actual food, most of the time you'll get something on the go. Uh, so one of the main things that they have here is the barek, which is like uh, phyllo, I don't know if it's phyllo dough, one of those, however you say it, um, 
and in between that are like toppings. So you could have meat, you could have cheese, you could have spinach, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, but when it's fresh out of the oven, just prepared, it's gonna be a nice flaky crust. Mm -hmm. Like the first time we, time we had one of those, we, we ate right into the barrette. We're like, this is amazing. Like it's, yeah. it's crazy. I don't think we had it. The first one we had was the best one. And I think it's because we had it right early in the morning. So I think you have to get to these little spots early because that's when they're freshly baked. Um, but yeah, that one was the best. Yeah, I don't think they'll, we had they'll always best. serve it to you. They'll always serve it to you warm, right? So even mm -hmm. if it's been sitting around, they'll like pop it to uh, zap it in the, uh, the oven or whatever or the microwave. But yeah, if you can get it first thing in the morning, uh, so maybe have your, your coffee and then uh, late morning, uh, have a barrette that's probably the best time mm -hmm. when it's like fresh out of the oven and it's not even like doesn't even have to be heated up or, or anything mm -hmm. like that um some other street foods like we didn't really have though but they have like quiches and they have like calzones uh i was thinking about uh ben wyatt <laughs> uh, <laughs> you could also get a a pizza like so we're talking about the rakia or the rocky from turkey but when you know, Albania was under the, the rule of not just uh, Rome, but then also under like Mussolini. Uh, they had like the Italian influence as well. In addition to, I understand it's on the other side of the Adriatic Sea from Italy, but it's probably more the culture and the mm -hmm. traditions being forced upon the Albanian people. But I know that um, pizza is not like traditional Albanian food, quote unquote, but it's flipping delicious <laughs> it's so good it's so good like especially like you know we got it like two times the second time same kind of thing as Barack. like heat up it's like all right it's okay but like fresh out of the oven right so they don't have like big ovens that they really cook in they just have like you know furnaces or like pizza ovens mm -hmm. so getting like a, a a margarita pizza as they call it even though it's just like cheese and sauce and on bread is like Phenomenal. We had like a whole large pizza in like one sitting because yeah, it was so, so good. good. Yeah, and I think the breading isn't like super thick either, so that's why it just it it was a good it was good it was great. <laughs> yeah. So, but but tell the people just really quickly about like um, like how your body's handling like cheese compared to I think that's really interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I back in America, um, I considered myself lactose intolerant, and I might still be, but the thing that I've noticed being out here, and we tried this back home a little bit, um, Will did some research and, and noticed that, okay, there are certain cheeses that don't have a lot of lactose that I could eat, um, and mainly they're imported and they're super fresh. And so come and I tried that back home and that seemed to do well. And then coming out here, I'm like, okay, let's try and, and do maybe do some of that. But I've always stayed away from like the cooked cheeses because I figured, okay, once it's cooked, maybe that still is not good. But I mean, like we just said, I literally ate half of a pizza and it did not upset my stomach at all. And these breaks have cheese in it. And every time I've had cooked cheese, it does not, like I've been able to digest it well. And that's been really cool because it's really good and I'm yeah. really happy. I haven't sat and had a whole glass of milk just yet. Like that makes me nervous, but I have been able to have some dairy products. Yeah. So you yeah. don't know if you're lactose intolerant, maybe it's just like the over processed, yeah. uh, you know, American farms that will affect your stomach. Also, you know, if you don't like any sort of uh, fruits and vegetables, maybe have it overseas as well, because mm -hmm. in America, like, everything's quote unquote in season so you yeah. can get fruits and vegetables all year long but overseas uh they only have things that are like actually fresh yeah. uh in season they don't put a whole bunch of chemicals in it so that you can have it all year long 
Yeah, I've done some cooking in our Airbnbs. I love to cook. And so uh, I'll have to tell you about an experience later. But um, we have noticed that the quality of the food is just, it's great. I mean, it's fresh and it just definitely takes our food to the next level. So it's been, it's been great. Um, but a, a hidden gem as far as like a restaurant that we did find um, was very close to the former residence of Albanian leader, uh, Amber Hoja. Um, so we went and checked that out. It's, it's weird. It's like you're in Miami, kind of like at Scarface's house or something like that, or Al Capone's. <laughs> it's like this huge like house and it's like this river out front. And you would think like the you know, a house of like a former like, you know, dictator would be like hard access or it'd be like mm -hmm. have a museum around it, but it's just like a normal house and like there's a yeah. gate, you can see through it very easily if the gate's not too high. So that was interesting. But from there, we went uh, about a street or a block over to try to find some food. Uh, the restaurant that we found there was Iona. Right? Yeah, Iona. Uh, and it was a Mediterranean restaurant. So not like a traditional Albanian restaurant, but hey, you are all in the Mediterranean. Mm -hmm. And this place was awesome. So we went up. The, yeah, you want to yeah. tell <laughs> I just, I loved this restaurant mainly because of our waiter. I mean, the hospitality here in Albania is absolutely amazing. The people are just so friendly and so well like they love having people come visit their country. I mean, you know, it's not one of the, hey, where are you going to go visit? Albania. Like not too many people say that. So they're super excited to have people come and they are just ecstatic. And this waiter here at this restaurant was no different. So I popped in and I was like, hey, what's on your menu? And he's like, oh, well, I don't have any English menu. So he sat there and like spewed out the whole menu in English for us really fast. And at that point, we're like, mm, I guess we should stay here. And we are so glad we did. Um, it, it's adorable, absolutely cute. Not cute, but like, you know what I mean? Like it looks very awesome. They are just really good about uh, just everything looking architecturally appealing. Um, but he was awesome. He sat us down and kind of, we ordered some amazing food. Um, we had some ravioli with a blueberry and truffle sauce. And I've none of us have ever heard anything about that but it was delicious. Um, and we also had an eggplant with some mushrooms and it had like this nice smoky flavor. Um, yeah, definitely check out the vlog so you can see all that. You'll get to see our waiter, Eraldi, in there as well. He's actually the, the very first segment of our Tirana vlog on YouTube. And so he was a blast and we were just so excited that we found that little hidden gem. Yeah, I mean, the, the vibe was super awesome. The yeah, the waiter was was great, and you know we'd be, we're filming before we go, obviously for the vlog, mm -hmm. and like he kept like kind of photobombing us yeah. in the background, like <laughs> smiling and making yeah. weird faces. So he, was he had, a great, yeah. had a great yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, and he, and we had a great time with him. So yeah, they were awesome. Yeah, but we did eat. We did find one traditional Albanian restaurant. Well, we tried to go somewhere else and have uh, traditional Albanian food, but like after a couple of days of exploring around, we realized like. They talk, talk about Albanian pancakes. You'll see that in a couple of different other people's vlogs. I didn't see anyone eating that. Um, but um, this, I think, was more of a traditional restaurant. It was called Oda. Mm -hmm. And it looked like it was in like a traditional Albanian uh, home. Yeah. And we had some great dishes there. You want to talk about yeah, I just felt like we were walking into someone's home and that's like the best feeling, especially when you're trying to get traditional like food. Um, and yeah, it was great. She had pictures up on the walls and paintings, and I'm sure it was like her grandkids, her children, um, and she did not speak one bit of English at all, but 
this restaurant is on TripAdvisor and I guess they have a menu that has both English um, and Albanian on there. So we were able to order what we wanted and had this amazing dish called Fregese, mm -hmm. which was uh, cottage cheese baked with uh, red and green peppers. And you had it like with a piece of bread. And then we had some rice balls and they were perfectly cooked. Um, and the seasoning and the spices on them were absolutely amazing. And they were, it was delicious. Um, and then the, uh, we had some dessert too, which we thought we were ordering one thing, we ended up getting another thing, but it was all a great experience of Albanian traditional music kind of playing in the background. Um, and that was a great, uh, stop for sure. Um, let me say also, I tried to make fregese at home. I just thought it would be as simple as buying cottage cheese and peppers and just throwing it into a baking dish into the oven. No, not at all. Um, and our Airbnb host, like I was trying to explain to her that I was making it and she said, oh no, it's not made with cheese. And I'm like, wait, but that's what it, I don't know. I was really confused. I'm going to have to look it up later to try and make it myself. It looked really simple and straightforward, but we did not, uh, res respect the challenges and the uh, intricacies no. of the Albanian cooking. We're like, oh, no. it's just like cottage cheese and pepper. Yeah, not. not at all. My The Airbnb host ended up sending me a video in Albanian. Um, and she's like, I know you don't understand, but at least just watch the video. And they, it's, it's a whole complex process. So I will try that another day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but after all that eating, you, you got to walk it off. So mm -hmm. one of the best places to walk it off is the, the city center of Tirana, uh, which, which the focal point of that is Skanderbeg Square. Uh, so here they have, you know, some museums, they have the traditional man riding a horse. <laughs> so like every time, you know, you go to a major city, there's, uh, yeah. there's the museums in the, in the city center and then there's a guy riding a horse. This guy riding a horse is Skanderbeg, which is the national hero of Albania. Basically, as a child, he was born into uh, a noble family. Mm -hmm. He was sent away as uh, a hostage uh, to the Ottoman Empire. He trained under the Sultan for like 20 years, became like this great warrior. And eventually in this war, uh, said, nope, I'm not doing this anymore. Rejoined his Albanian brethren and, and kind of uh, be became their main military leader, uh, led um, you know, led their army and fought off like that invasion of the Ottoman Empire and like 10 other ones. So mm -hmm. uh, as far as a protector and a great hero to the Albanian people, uh, Skanderbeg is uh, one of the top names uh, besides Mother Teresa, who uh, yeah. obviously we all know. And, um, you know, I think she was born in current day North Macedonia, but she's always said that she has Albanian blood. And one of the mm -hmm. things that we learned there was um, you know, because like Albania was so isolated during the, the communist rule, like her like mom and I think her sister, um, like were here and she didn't get to say bye to her mom because she was like a big religious figure and the government would not let her enter back into Albania. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty sad. Like one of our, you know, the nicest, uh, one of the most caring people in human history, uh, you know, never got to say bye to her, yeah. her mom, but she has like a strong tie to Albania. So you'll see you know, Mother Teresa Square, you'll see Mother Teresa Hospital, uh, and some other figments, uh, yeah. and some other, like, kind of things around. Yeah, and the airport, isn't it called the Mother Teresa Airport? Yeah, and the, yeah. Mother, the airport's <laughs> even named after Mother Teresa, yeah. so, you know, between, like, her and Skanderbeg, these are the two uh, big names and top figures in all of Albania. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons that uh, Skanderbeg is, um, you know, popular besides, um, you know, 
everything he did uh, in, in the military is when he was in battle, the flag that he raised had like a double eagle, like a black double eagle emblem uh, on like a, a red background. And that is kind of the inspiration for the traditional in the, the current Albanian flag. So mm -hmm. even the flag itself uh, dates back to uh, Skanderbeg in his time. Uh, another thing in the square is the National History Museum. Uh, at the front of that, like the very top, there's this huge mosaic called the Albanians, which was done by five different Albanian artists for the museum's opening, I think around like 1980. Uh, and this story talks about like the occupation and the invasions and how the Alb Albanians are, are always trying to, throughout history, fight off these attacks, right? Mm -hmm. So like I said, uh, the Roman Empire took them over and the uh, Mussolini took them over also from Italy and the Ottomans took them over. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you'll see like a lot of different like forts uh, throughout um, Albania and um, a lot of other things. But, you know, it, it's just because they're right on the Adriatic Sea. So they're a place that you'd want to have uh, if you're trying to take over the world, yeah. uh, which is un really unfortunate for the people. And it's a yeah. shame. But, um, you know, that's just part of their history. Uh, another part of the history um, is after all that, after World War II and all that stuff, and, and they got from under the rule of uh, Italy, um, is communism, right? So um, at the time, their leader, Ember Hoja, who we said we saw his former residence, um, kind of like the, the scare tactics, like we're not historians, but we're just telling you what we know. So uh, let us know if we're, we're off on anything. But, you know, he was, he reigned over Albania for 40 years. And during that time, you know, you couldn't own property, you couldn't have your own religion. Um, and one of his scare tactics was to build bunkers. So they built over 170,000 bunkers throughout Albania, uh, which are these concrete domes. And then you can go below and, you know, you can have, you know, where you can, it's kind of like a, a literally like a bomb shelter, right? Mm -hmm. So you can go and hide um, if there is any sort of invasion or attack. But these were never used, and it turned out to just be like scare tactics. But like, what did you think about the? the yeah, I think when we were kind of reading about Albania, what we read maybe was just our perception. We thought there would be these bunkers everywhere, and there are a few, you know, kind of still around. Some smaller ones. There, most of the ones that still exist are have been repurposed and have been made into uh, like museums, like a couple of them are some art museums. Um, some of them I read were made into uh, tattoo parlors. And yeah, so they have either been completely destroyed or repurposed, um, or, there, or there might still be some smaller ones that we kind of saw near the center area of Tirana. Um, just a couple small ones in a little park, um, I guess to, you know, so you can still see them, but um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely an, an interesting thought to, to think through living in that kind of period and also just realizing that it's only been since the early 90s that they've been able to be their own country. Like yeah. that's, I was born in 90, so they have been there in, you know, I think it, I think it was about 91. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, around my age, you know, 30 yeah. years of just being them. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, exactly. It was all isolated. Like I said, even like when Mother Teresa's mother passed away, she wasn't allowed back in, in, into Albania. And yeah, you, you, well, I mean, that's one of the most unique things, like the fact that there's all these bunkers, but you hear that, you hear or see the number 170,000, you're like, oh, they're literally going to be on every corner. Yeah. There's coffee shops in every corner, <laughs> but not bunkers. Um, but yeah, I mean, and you just, you know, it's, it's, it's really an honor to be able to, to visit and, mm -hmm. and to see Albania uh, and, and 
you know, Tehran and all these great cities when you couldn't go before 1991 and you hear about their history mm -hmm. of communism. Um, but like after, you know, the communist reign, um, they, they started to kind of repair the city. So there was, there were some works to like expand out some of the highways and the mm -hmm. big roads. And, uh, one of the mayors, um, decided to do like this beautification to kind of, uh, you know, paint the town, if you will, and to add some art and some, some pop, uh, to the building itself, even if the infrastructure was not all redone, at least there was some more paintings. Like, what did you think about like the art? Yeah, there's definitely, there's art in very, very many parts of, of Tirana. And, um, we've been to a couple other parts already, but I feel like Tirana has the most art that we've seen. Um, some street art, some graffiti art, some paint, some buildings were painted whole, you know, decorated some, there's some murals kind of on the sides of buildings. Some of them are on just like little trash cans. It's just kind of popping up in different areas. And uh, there's always kind of like a meaning behind it. Like if you sit and look at the art for a second, you, you can kind of understand, you know, what the artist is saying. Um, but some, I, I, I wanted to kind of find a little bit more about the art. And back in uh, 2018, about 13 artists from like Italy and other parts of the the European countries kind of came to Albania and, and did their first mural fest. Um, just kind of, again, trying to beautify Tirana, trying to beautify Albania and, and make it a little bit more, um, I guess, warm and creative. Um, and so, so yes, there's art and, you know, artists can kind of paint on the walls and stuff, but it's still being, um, um, you know, the government still kind of has a hold on it. You can't just go spray paint, you know, art anywhere you want, but it has attracted a bunch of like urban street artists to come here. And actually the day that we were in Skanderberg Square, there was a couple of guys with this big um, canvas sitting right in front of the Tirana sign, which we couldn't get a picture of, but it was cool to see them kind of like painting something right then and there, kind of a little crowd gathered to kind of watch them paint. But yeah, I mean, it's cool to see other countries kind of coming in and just, you know, trying to lift up Albania. Um, because yeah, like the people here are awesome. So it's good to see that other countries are, are caring about it. So yeah, I mean, the, the art is great. And, uh, you know, so are the people, right? Besides the, the guy taking the tickets on the, on the one bus. But yeah, we've met some amazing people. Um, almost everyone was, was very friendly. As you're walking around, it's not going to be like people are, are bubbly and laughing and stuff like that, like in America. But when you really need something or when you engage in a conversation with mm -hmm. someone, like they're super warm and friendly. And anytime you can, um, you know, say like Famanderet or like any, you know, which is uh, thank, thank you, you or good morning, Miriam and Jess or any of these kind of things, like they're really happy that you've learned uh, at least a couple of, of their Albanian words, yeah. even if they do speak English. Um, and we did meet some people who have really, really helped us with our, our trivia. You want to just give us like a high level of uh, Fabi and, and Alma? Yeah, so Pastor Fabi and Alma are amazing people. They, um, long story short, through some connections back home, a friend told me that she knew some people out here in Albania. And so once we knew we were heading to Albania, I connected with them on Facebook and they are just absolutely amazing people. Um, we met them towards the end of our trip, uh, like the end of the week in Tirana, um, because, you know, jet and all that craziness but we popped into one of their church services and it was awesome and the people afterwards you know, actually when we first got there they wanted us to meet everybody which was you know it was a smaller church about like 20 
people, but it was super sweet. Everybody was so friendly. And then afterwards, um, they just had some kind of like desserts and some, you know, some little uh, items to kind of eat. And we just hung out and talked with everybody and got to know some of the local people and just hear about them. And um, they're absolutely amazing. And then, uh, you know, Pastor Fabi, the rest of the time, he's like, let us, you know, let us know if you need anything. Yeah. He's like, I wanted to help you before, but you seemed like you wanted to do your own thing. Um, but, you know, I don't like to ask for help. Um, and that is completely different of uh, the culture here. Like, they want to help you. Like, I will do it's anything. It's not every man for himself. No, like it is no, no, no. Like, I have, I don't like to ask for help, but I love to give help. And that's, I feel... That's what Pastor Fabi said. Most of the people are here. You know, they, you know, they just want to help you, especially, you know, you've, you're, you've come to my land. Like, I want to show you. And so, um, so he ended up just, you know, being a huge help. He took us to a day trip to Derez. He ended up taking us to our next spot, which is Skodra. Um, absolutely, like, super amazing, super thankful that we met him. And uh, he's told us a lot of kind of info about the people. And, um, yeah, it's just... Anything else you want to add? They're, they're just great. <laughs> yeah, they're amazing. I mean, just, you know, uh, even on, you know, in our, our trip, uh, you know, taking us to different places, like we tried to pay, wouldn't allow it. Like, you know, it's it's their honor to to treat us, to take us places. Mm -hmm. um, and they're just like super kind. Everyone that we, we met there was, was super nice. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, under communism, you, you couldn't have religion, right? So... Um, once you could have religion again in 1991, once, um, you know, went more to like a capitalist kind of economy, um, you know, there were all these, there were some churches that were not destroyed. Some churches were destroyed during the communist era or like, uh, if they weren't destroyed, they were used for other things. So mm -hmm. once you could, uh, freely, uh, you know, be have religious faith, and have yeah. your own faith, then it's like, well, what do I do, right? So you go to your your parents, your grandparents, but they're not really dive dove into their um, their religion, right? Because they weren't able to practice most of their life. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times it's like the younger generation that now needs to tell like the details of the religion, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're, you know, you're Catholic, if your grandparents were Catholic, or you're, you know, you um, believe in Islam, if, if that's what your, your parents believed in. Mm -hmm. So it, it's kind of interesting. It's like, now it's, you know, it's like this religious kind of boom now that people are free to know about religion, but not just, hey, what did my parents or my grandparents believe mm -hmm. in, but like, what do I believe in? What makes sense to me? Yeah. And they're really spending a lot of time like learning and, and trying to, to grow their, their faith in whatever uh, yeah. religion they believe in. Yeah. And so Pastor Fabi was telling us that, you know, there are some people that are doing that, but then also there are some that just are going through the motions and don't really know anything. They're just doing the religious practices that, um, you know, that were done by their ancestors. Um, and so, you know, you see this culture within Albania that it doesn't really matter what religion you are. There's like, you know, four major religions and they all coincide and live in peace. And, um, you know, and, and so it's, it's definitely, you know, it's definitely interesting and it's cool to see, you know, Pastor Fabi and, you know, and his family just trying to, uh, just really understand their faith and share their faith with others. And again, they're just amazing. And um, yeah. Yeah. And a <laughs> special shout out to uh, Kent who sat behind us oh, yeah. and translated the entire service from Albanian to English for us when we went yeah. to their church on Sunday. And thank you to Angie and, and his family for 
uh, allowing us to, to, you know, take him during that service. Um, yeah. And uh, just incredible, incredible. I can't believe, still can't believe that happened. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so as Kathy said, uh, Pastor Fabi did take us to a day trip in Albania. He had some things he had to take care of there. Um, to Derez. To Derez, excuse yeah. me. Um, but yeah, so we weren't really sure because originally we were going to go there for like a week. But then just something told us and like one of the Airbnbs we were going to rent fell through. Um, so we went to a different city next, but having this opportunity to go on day trip is the perfect amount of time, mm -hmm. right? So we're able to see the Roman amphitheater, the, the castle, um, and see the, uh, Adriatic Sea and have some, some great, a great meal, right? So, um, you know, like we said, the, the airport in Albania is called Mother Teresa and it's the quote unquote international airport, <laughs> but it's really the only actual airport mm -hmm. in Albania that we found besides maybe a, a small little commuter one. But so you're going to have to go into Tirana to even get to Durez. Uh, but Durez, Durez is the biggest seaport in the country. And it's one of like the oldest cities in Albania. And according to like myth, it's tied to Heracles or Hercules, you know, whether you're Greek or Roman, um, as one of the deities who is associated with the foundation of the city. Um, so there's buses to get there. Uh, I don't know how the bus system is going to work uh, from, you know, <laughs> but uh, they're technically there and they're supposed to go like every 30 minutes. But we were fortunate enough for, um, you know, Fabi to take us over there. It's about 34 kilometers away uh, from Tirana and which is about a 40 minute drive. Mm -hmm. um, so when we were there, um, a lot of people go in the summer. We're there in what, February? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's it's like cold. Uh, it was supposed to rain all day. Thank God it did not rain all day, but um, it said it was going to. We did have a few hour reprieve mm -hmm. where we're able to see some things. Um, now, Durez is right on the Adriatic Sea, which is you know part of the overall Mediterranean mm -hmm. Sea. Um, but yeah, we got to see the beach, but it was not the best it beach day. It was rough. It was wavy. It was windy. Not a day you want to stay and lounge out by the beach and soak up the sun. Nope, not one of those days. If you want that, come in the summer. Yeah, so definitely don't go in the, the wintertime for Durez. Um, but we did get to see the amphitheater and we had plenty enough time to walk around it uh, before it started raining. The lady at the front desk even said, um, are you sure you want to come? Or uh, she's like, where are you from? And we said America. And she said, are you, you're visiting now? So I don't know if she meant like because of everything going on in the world or just because of the weather, but at least she meant the weather, at least that. Yeah. Uh, but we were able to see that and walk all around, all around it. Now this, um, amphitheater was built, uh, under the reign of Emperor, uh, Trajan, um, one of the Roman emperors. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had like a lot of different beautification things. He has like a, a castle, uh, a castle he built, I think, a bridge. And this is one of his projects uh, mm -hmm. as well. He was considered one of the five good emperors. So he reigned during a time of peace and also during a time of war when obviously they started conquering and taking over places such as um, Albania. So this amphitheater at one point held like over 15,000 people and you could tell it was a huge amphitheater, lots of seats. Um, so one third of the site was excavated in the 1960s with the rest in uh, the 1980s. And it was actually destroyed two different times by earthquakes. And if you go there today, you can see all these like houses built around it, which I think are built on top of the actual foundation, which is good for your house, which is, but it's terrible for the actual, um, you know, ruins and the uh, you know, preservation of it as, as a whole, right? Because they're built right on the foundation. So it actually made one of, in 2013, 
uh, one of the most endangered uh, cultural heritage site list uh, for all of Europe. But I mean, what did you think about walking around the uh, the amphitheater area? Yeah, it was really cool to to see. Um, there was definitely, you know, it's an amphitheater, so there's kind of different levels, and most of the area that we kind of spent were the insides, kind of the caverns. There was a, a chapel with a window and a um, and a, a baptizing well, um, and there were like all these kind of like. I guess caverns, you could say, I don't know, like kind of inlets. Um, we did try and kind of go on the outside and Will actually managed to make his way up to the top of the amphitheater. But a lot of that, you know, it's not like actual like steps. A lot of that has been um, just kind of rubbled out. And so you can't really kind of get to the top. But, um, but yeah, it was definitely really cool to be able to walk that amphitheater. Um, yeah. Yeah. And we had plenty of time even on a, on a day trip. Um, so we didn't have to like rush or anything like that. We had time to, if we would have hung out at the beach like, in, in an extra day, maybe not as much time, but yeah, plenty of time for the amphitheater. Also in Durez, there's a castle and, but that's kind of misleading. So there, there are these medieval walls that go from the amphitheater to what I think is the castle, but it's not like a full castle that you can go and walk around. It's really like a single Venetian tower. Mm -hmm. uh, which looks awesome and you can get right up close so you can literally touch it um, and I, right outside of there uh, the castle the well really the tower is like a restaurant but it's not like anything you can actually explore so it's really like hey see it walk around it a little bit maybe have lunch uh, right next to it but that's the extent of the castle it's really just that one tower and like this long wall that goes between the tower and the amphitheater yeah so it's, it's a pretty quick thing. Yeah, and then after kind of walking around that area, we were walking around looking for a spot to eat. Um, and we found this great halal fish and pizza place. And this restaurant was so good. Um, we popped in and we looked at the menu. We knew we wanted fish because we're right there by the sea. So definitely had to get some fish. And this ended up being the best fish we've had so far in all of Albania. And... We looked on the list, we knew we wanted to try a couple different kinds, and when we ordered what we wanted, they're like, oh, we don't have that fish. We're like, oh, okay. So he, the guy actually had us walk over to the little uh, like spot to look at the fish uh, in the ice, and he said, choose your fish, and we will tell you if we can cook it, or, I mean, if we can fry it, or if we can bake it. So we picked one fish to fry, we picked one fish to bake, um, and both were absolutely delicious. Yeah. Um, fish was great. Uh, for a start, they came out and gave us like a pizza, which is, you know, their complimentary bread with, mm -hmm. uh, and obviously had the, the vinegar and the olive oil on the side. And in the center had like a dollop of mayonnaise, which is not for us, but it was cool to have that for free. Um, he brought, they brought us up water too, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, even though we didn't ask for that, the fish was absolutely delicious. We had one baked and one fried and it's like a plate full of fish. Um, and then when we're all done, Kati's like, I'm the perfect level of food. Then they came out and brought us like a free dessert as well, which was like chopped up apples with like chocolate drizzle. Um, just wonderful experience. And, um, you know, how we really felt a lot of times, uh, mm -hmm. at Albanian establishments, they're just so friendly and they just hospitable. Make you feel, yeah. yeah. So hospitable. And they just like, no, here, try this, try that. And they are just so glad that you're visiting. Yeah, so originally we wanted to have like a full maybe seven days in Durez, but even just a day trip was a perfect amount of time to walk around the amphitheater, to see the castle, to check out the beach. Definitely go when it's the summertime, you can appreciate the beach and the sea. Uh, and we also had our best fish meal in all of Albania here.
So as we said, uh, Pastor Fabi and his wife Alma were like so nice and, and so incredible. Uh, not only did we get a trip, a day trip to Durez, we also got escorted, what, like two hours basically from Tirana to, to Skodra. I don't know how we would have got there uh, without the help. I think you have to take a taxi to the outskirts of the city mm -hmm. and then there's a bus route. I don't know. Thank God we didn't have to figure that out. But um, yeah, they were nice enough to to take us all the way there. And obviously we wanted to, you know, provide like gas money or buy one of the coffees that they stopped and bought us all, all, along the way uh, in their hometown. But, um, you know, it's just that uh, Albanian hospitality. So, uh, yeah, a two hour drive up there to drop us off at our next stop, which was uh, Skodra. And um, it took them a little bit longer to get back because they ran into some traffic. But I mean, yeah, we were, we got there um, and we got there safely um, and we didn't have to figure out how to take a, a bus or even go to uh, a taxi or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So this city is, is really, really cool and dates back to the 4th century BC. Uh, it was settled by ancient Illyrian tribes, Illyria, even in the Bible. Uh, and today it's the fifth most populated city in Albania. Now, many artists and musicians come from here, um, which is you can get right because as you're going around there's plenty of like musicians uh, singers people who play clarinet and um, uh, the organ and all that kind of good stuff um, and also you know it's more spaced out and there's there's more room for like bicycles and for cars if they want to go on the bike routes but yeah this is the city of bikes and you can definitely tell that because um, there's plenty of areas that you can bike and it's a lot more spaced out and spread out as far as the width of the roads and the bike paths uh, than uh, Tirana. So what did you think uh, was your first uh, impression of uh, Skodra? Yeah, Skodra is very, um, you know, similar to, to Tirana with the people and the coffee shops and the, um, you know, small businesses. But like you said, definitely more spaced out. Um, I felt like Tirana, Tirana was kind of like a New York City hustle and bustle. And this doesn't feel as much like that. Yeah. Uh, Tirana is definitely more like a laid-back New York City. This is more like uh, the suburbs. So yeah. from uh, Skodra, there's a couple of directions you can go. You can go north to Lake Skodra, or you could go uh, right or east to um, to the Messi Bridge, or you can go to the left to um, to go around the lake and also go to the castle. So we decided to go to the castle, um, but actually we're gonna go all the way across the lake, but you can do both in the same trip. Now you can rent a car um, or you could take a bike, but we knew that we we're gonna stop in the castle. So we just went on what we knew. We... And a castle's on a hill, so yeah. we didn't wanna bring bikes up the hill. <laughs> right, and as we got there, we noticed that, yeah, that was uh, definitely smart because you're not going, we saw cars go up to the entrance way, but you were not going to be able to take uh, a bike all that way. Um, so as we're going, you know, there's there's signs there, so you can pretty easily get there. Uh, always, you just have to, to pay attention to the signs. Uh, my biggest thing is when I don't see signs, I got to figure it out um, from there. Thank <laughs> God for, for Google Maps working offline. But yeah, it's at the top of the hill. Um, so once you actually do get over there, it's like the steep uh, climb that you have to make, and eventually you get to the entrance gate. And uh, at the time we went, it was 400 lek per person, so 800 lek uh, total to get in. Um, you, you go to the ticket booth and you get your you get your tickets. I wasn't sure if you have go to a ticket booth and you have to give it to somebody, but it's just you buy the tickets and you just have them with you. I'm not sure if you can go back later on that day or how that works, but they give you actual tickets as well. Uh, so once we're inside, I mean, what were your first thoughts of actually being inside of Rosafa Castle? 
yeah, the view from up there is amazing. And this whole castle area is huge. It's like, not just, okay, you have one little castle, but it, it was like a whole uh, city. Because as we were kind of walking around, there was these signs that told you what different things were. And they had uh, a lot of different buildings within this space. Um, and I know from the top of the, the hill, we could see all of Shkodra. We could see the, you know, part of the lake. Um, that lake, you know, has rivers kind of leading to it, which are wide. So it made it feel like that was a lake as well. Um, and then you could see the other side. I'm not sure it was on the other side. Um, do you know? Yeah, I don't know what was on the... Well, there's some people taking pictures up there and uh, mm -hmm. they're panicking a little bit, so we didn't go to see the other side. But um, yeah, so you can see mostly just the two rivers, the uh, Buna River and the, the Drin River. Mm -hmm. um, and then there were some parts of the wall that was like a large opening, so you can get a good view of everything that's going, along, going on. And there's also some like smaller openings, which I imagine are to kind of look out for, mm -hmm. um, you know, intruders without like being susceptible to getting like a cannonball or, yeah. or attack somehow. Yeah. Um, you know, as we said, the history of Albania, not just uh, recently, is just, you know, countries and uh, empires trying to take it over. Mm -hmm. So not only did they have to have a castle and fortified walls, they also had to put their castle on top of a, an actual hill so they could see people coming from mm -hmm. the lake or from one of the rivers. And yeah, it was a full city. There was places where you could live, right? So there's the housing area and there was places to worship. First was, um, first church area was originally like a Catholic church. I think it was called St. Stephen's during the Roman conquest. And then during the Ottoman conquest, it became uh, a mosque. So the same building, they just used it for two different things. Mm -hmm. And there was also one area that was like a Venetian Roman kind of, well, not Roman, but like uh, a Venetian um, jail. And then one that was like an Islamic kind of jail. So there's everything that you would need there, right? Um, between houses, I'm sure they had like different places you could eat, uh, worship, jail. There was uh, a couple of different cisterns or wells so that you, they can collect rainwater mm -hmm. and, and use that uh, for everybody. Oh, so and the fact that it was on the on the hill gave us we were so we were really high up and we had an even a, even bigger and amazing view of the, of the Albanian Alps. They were snow capped because yeah. it's cold right now, and yeah, that view is spectacular as well. Yeah, I highly recommend um, you check out the castle and. And wasn't there something eerie about this castle? Yeah, so not only was it beautiful, <laughs> but it also did have a uh, legend to it. So one of the legends is, um, now this is called Rosafa Castle. So one of the legends is that there was three brothers um, who were building this castle. And all three of the brothers were married. And um, they kept building, worked all day to build the castle walls. And each night the walls would fall. Uh, and then one day an old man appeared and he said, hey, I know what you could do to uh, keep the walls up. I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever it takes. It's like, uh, the next one of your wives who brings you food, uh, you need to sacrifice that wife and leave her in the walls, and then the walls will stay up. And all three of the brothers swore on Bessa, which is for, it's kind of like what we would say bet, like it's a promise, mm -hmm. um, like a, uh, a commitment that you're not going to break. They all, they all um, swore to Bessa. And two of them, the brothers, did not uh, hold their, their word. They turned their word. Uh, but the one younger brother was more honorable, and he said, yeah, I'll definitely do it. So the two, because the, the old man said that they cannot tell their wives. So the two older brothers told their wives, so their wives were like, yeah, I'm not going to come bring you food, obviously. <laughs> uh, but then the, the younger man, 
he did not tell his wife. He did not warn his wife. And uh, she's the one who was sent by their mother to bring them food. The mother didn't know either. Uh, and he's like, oh, okay. So thanks for bringing me food. But, you know, in order to keep these walls up, to keep us all safe, I got to sacrifice you. And the legend is she did not uh, protest this too much. And she allowed herself to be sacrificed, put into the, the wall of the castle. And she's like, I only have, um, you know, a couple of requests. They did have an infant child, you know, make sure that, you know, part of me is left out to, to feed the child. Part of me is left out to, you know, hold uh, the, the baby if I need to. And part of it is left out to rock the, um, rock the cradle at night. Uh, so, you know, she was sacrificed. She was put into the wall. And uh, from there, the walls never fell. So... It's pretty, you know, basically it's a haunted it's castle. Weird. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird thing. But, uh, yeah. Oh, and the uh, the name of uh, the the wife that was sacrificed was Ruzafa. So that's... Hence Ruzafa Castle. Right. That's why it's called that instead of just the Skodra Castle. So that's nice and, and creepy. But something that's, <laughs> that's not... nice and creepy. But something that's not creepy is, uh, is Lake Skodra. So we... After going to the castle, uh, you know, getting off the heebie-jeebies off of us, we continued on... It felt like another couple of hours, a long walk, to go to the city of uh, Shiroka. And that is where we can get a bigger view of the lake itself. Because mostly, and as you're walking along, like there's water the whole time. You see the rivers. Um, but yeah, once you get to the, that city, you see uh, the full view of the lake as well. Mm -hmm. the, you know, lakes and rivers are wonderful things. I mean, you can fish in it and uh, provide like income and food. Mm -hmm. But... Um, also they could be dangerous things. So we saw like the river in several different places kind of flooding mm -hmm. some area. So like, tell us about the, um, like the overflow of water and like some of the businesses that it was affecting. Yeah. So there were definitely, you know, you had seen there had rained, uh, like the day after we got here. And so, um, I think a couple days straight. And so the water had risen, um, and yeah, it was flooding into the businesses and, you know, these businesses, that's their, their, you know, their livelihood. And so restaurants and businesses were closed because the water was filled up to the brim. There was a couple, um, like a, like a, not a market, but like a little shopping area that actually put down some pallets and sandbags to kind of create a little walkway to their air, you know, to their stores. Um, you know, so the ones that could still kind of open up made away. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, it definitely can affect the businesses that are built kind of right there by the water. Yeah. So, I mean, that was, that was unfortunate because you know, they don't have like big seawalls up. So mm -hmm. you think about like, you know, Hurricane Katrina and like hurricanes that happen and floods the city. But like, this is like not even a hurricane. I don't think it was just like a normal rainstorm, but like the mm -hmm. water rose so high. Yeah. You can even access these places by car. So I don't know mm -hmm. how these businesses kind of survive year long, but yeah. uh, so that's a shame. Um, that that happens. Another weird thing that you see is like there's all these concrete buildings we hear all throughout Albania, but we specifically just notice them here in, in Shiroka. And it's like there's this one uh, home. It's like what three or four stories, and mm -hmm. it's like right on the lake. You'd have no um, no neighbors. You no neighbors. You're Perfect see the entire view. lake. Yeah. And it's like unfinished. So it was started and it, they were not finished. So apparently, like after communism ended in 1991, like there were some developers who did, ran like a pyramid scheme and say, hey, invest in this real uh, this real estate and we'll be able to easily sell them and you'll make this huge return. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they started building these these buildings. You could see all the, the concrete that was there. Mm -hmm. And I guess they ran out of money or ran out of like people to scam and they were just left there. So mm -hmm. all over Albania, there's these huge, wonderful, like concrete buildings and houses 
uh, that were like left unfinished. Unfortunately, some of them are like painted with graffiti and like I'm sure like some people like sleep in them unfinished, but it's really like an eerie thing to see all, not just bunkers, but then just all these houses, <laughs> these concrete houses yeah. also uh, left unfinished. They have a lot of concrete in Albania. I don't know where they're getting it from, but they're like a lot of these different structures built just out of concrete. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, so we, we did finally get to the city after like, yeah, I think it's about like, Five and a half, six kilometers from the castle to where we got to in Chiroka by the lake. Yeah. So the the restaurant that we did go to that wasn't flooded because it was like kind of built uh, up and had like steps you can go into it. Mm-hmm. I think it's called Siyaka. I don't know how you say it, but uh, man, an amazing experience there. Um, so the castle is actually more expensive than we thought and not every place takes credit card. They certainly don't take American Express, which is my favorite credit card, but some of them do take Visa, but yeah, they they didn't take credit card here. We weren't sure how much it was going to be because the guy came out. He said, Oh, I'm also the owner. He's like, what do you want? I'm like, do you have a menu? He's like, no, no, just let us know what you want. So we had no idea what the prices were going to be. (laughs) Uh, So he's like, we're like, I don't know, like it's just some fish for us to share and like potatoes. So they came out. Yeah, We didn't even order a drink because we didn't know how much we had, like how much things were going to (laughs) be. Right. I mean, the guy, the gentleman next to us were like having a good time. They had fish and like tons of wine. Like, oh, let me pour you some more wine and stuff like that. But um, yeah, we just had like fish and uh, potatoes, which happened to be French fries, which Mm -hmm. is really good. But uh, we didn't have enough money to pay. Yeah. Um, you heard that correctly. We did not have enough money to pay. Yeah, so I think it turned out to be like 1700 and we had 15. 15. Yeah. So we were short 200 left, which isn't, I mean, didn't seem like that much. But um, the owner was so kind after after we embarrassedly said we don't have enough money. He said, oh, don't worry, don't worry. And he just pinched well on the cheek and said, it's okay, I own this place. Yeah. So he let us, you know, um, so it was fine. And then um, we got up to walk out and before we even like completely left, he's like, come, come back, come back. Let me, do you want some coffee? We, I'll give you some coffee. And so he, we came back in and he got us some espressos. And I mean, again, the hospitality of the Albanians are incredible. Um, yeah, so like I said, we didn't order much, but he still came out and gave us water during the meal. He came out and gave us like this cornbread appetizer, which we hadn't had yet. Um, it was like a cornbread kind of with some kos, which is like a yogurt kind of poured over it. Um, and that was different that we had in time. That was really good. And then, and then on top of that, after we didn't have enough money, came back and gave us some coffee. So definitely a great restaurant, not just because of that, but the food was good too. Um, and you're right on the lake. You see yeah. the lake and the mountains. Um, you get a nice meal, and, and yeah, the the owner bring, takes your order. He um, you know brings your food out to you, and you know, speaks pretty good English. So yeah, uh, definitely highly recommend that because yeah, I mean we brought a lot of shame on ourselves by running out of money, <laughs> but um, he, he couldn't have been uh, you know, more nice or more kind about it. Mm-hmm. The, the last major thing that we did uh, while we were here in uh, Skodra was visit the Messi Bridge. So this is in the city of Mess. I don't, it might also be called just the Mess Bridge, but we're going to go with Lionel Messi kind of naming convention <laughs> here. Uh, so yeah, this was way too far out to walk. I was okay with walking, but... Uh, I did not want to walk almost two hours. Yeah, so it's like an hour <laughs> and 45 minute walk. Um, so we're in the city of bikes, so we're like, oh, bike rentals. Actually wasn't a problem. Uh, looked at Google and saw the uh, top rated one, which had like four and a half stars mm-hmm. and about 35 reviews. So we felt pretty comfortable with that. Even on Google, you saw a picture of the guy. So when we 
got up to the area, which is like a 15 minute walk uh, from where we were staying. I saw what he looked like. He was outside, no problem. Let us rent some bikes mm -hmm. and uh, adjusted our seats. And, um, you know, we were on our way. It could have been uh, 100 leg per hour or 500 leg per person for per the day. day. Yeah. Um, so either way, it would have been fine. We made sure we had enough cash for that mm -hmm. after being shamed. But uh, yeah, we rented the bikes and it was just a gorgeous bike out, bike right out there. I think we saved ourselves about 45 minutes. So it was probably about an hour or maybe a little bit more um, each way. But yeah, you're, you're biking out uh, north, I think east of the city and you see like the <laughs> Albanian Alps. and On your bike ride? Oh yeah, ride. that was cool. Yeah. There was like horses and um, you know, some cows and even um, like some wild goats. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's all kinds of things on this bike. Uh, not the most comfortable seat. I would recommend you guys try to find a cushion. We're gonna even see if we can get a bike cushion. So even if we go to like Amsterdam or Europe or anything like that, and we do rent a bike, uh, we'll be in so much pain after the ride, especially <laughs> for after a couple hour ride. But I uh, highly recommend you go out to this bridge because it is absolutely amazing. Um, we did some research and we saw some like YouTubers, um, they, you know, were out there and it was like bone dry under it. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it was in, like the summertime when everything was dried up because we were there in February and as I said, like the, the mountains were covered in snow. I don't know this for a fact, but I'm guessing that as the snow melts on top of the mountains, it comes down the mountain and it forms this Kerr River uh, because when we were out there, it was in the winter time and the water was flowing under it. And we saw water a couple of times from like rivers, like smaller rivers, and they're like brown or whatever, you know, and dirty. Um, not like, you know, trash or anything like that. It's just like they were not like super clear and clean. This water was like gorgeous. Like crystal blue, like the water that we see in the Caribbean. Like it was gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it was really nice water. So definitely recommend you go out there when you can. Uh, and this bridge is incredible too. It's one of the largest Ottoman bridges ever built. It was built in two phases, starting in around 1770. Mm -hmm. First, the main arch that goes over Kerr River when it's not dried up, and then 11 other arches to complete this. And they even spent, I think, like 13 million lek on making sure you can actually access this, like adding steps to easily get to the bridge. Mm -hmm. And it's just wonderful. Highly recommend whatever you gotta do to get out there, you check out this messy bridge. So we checked out the bridge some, flew the drone a little bit, and then we kind of sat down on a bench to eat our packed lunch. And as we were doing that, we saw this bride coming out in a big old white dress. And it looked, we thought they were gonna perform a ceremony, but it looked like they were just taking pictures after they had already been married. Um, but yeah, what a view to take uh, wedding pictures. Yeah, like that beats our wedding pictures any day. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> can't be <laughs> having pictures on an Ottoman bridge with this, uh, really blue water under it and, and the mountains, mountains the behind background. you like wow <laughs> so if you're gonna get married we recommend the messy bridge outside of Skodra. yeah <laughs> uh i mean i i gotta say we had an amazing time in albania we visited these uh three cities and had uh, a wonderful time uh, at each one of them we learned a lot about their history we met the nicest people and we tried some delicious food uh, albania really has a lot from lakes to parks to mountains to like bridges and architecture um, there was so much, you know, so, and thank you guys for, for listening to, to this podcast and us talking about our time mm -hmm. in Albania. Really hope that, uh, you enjoyed it. New episodes are out each week on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple. If you want maybe a shorter version or more visuals, uh, we do have, uh, you know, a weekly vlog on YouTube and we have daily content on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. 
This is Winnie Travels. What, what could possibly, possibly be next? next?